the clock. It's over. It's over. Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. If you want Chiefs, follow the leader. Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's a new eras in Kansas City. Plural, perhaps? Yeah, even with the biggest star in the world watching from what appeared to be the Kelsey family suite at Arrowhead, the story of the day is not what was or wasn't shaken off in the booth. It's about what happened on the field when the Chiefs could have had in a day where the Miami Dolphins put up 70. In a day where the Dolphins put up 70. Over the Denver Broncos, which I mentioned because who doesn't want me to mention that? Of course you do. The Chiefs really did have an honest-to-goodness chance to be the most dominant performance of the year. Not just of the week. They They could have had the NFL world by the throat, but Dolphins Broncos happened. And when I said this week that I I figured the Chiefs would take their foot off the gas a little bit, it's the reason that I thought it might be a lower scoring game. No fear that the the Broncos, or excuse me, that the uh, Bears were going to challenge the Chiefs in a you know realistic way. But I didn't think it was going to be forty-one to ten. And I didn't think we wouldn't have to see Patrick Mahomes for the entirety of the fourth quarter. This has, of course, historically been an offense-driven team. And that's still true and will continue to be true. Patrick Mahomes is still the quarterback. The uh, most famous bachelor in America right now is still the greatest tight end of all time who still plays for this team and looked a lot more like himself today. That Mahomes-Kelsey connection, stupendous. But once again, the Chiefs' defense... And today, without Nick Bolton, and with Drew Tranquil taking the green dot from the mic position, the Chiefs' defense is, once again, the story to me. Now, maybe it it's not as much of a blowout as it was last week, the battle between narratives, not the game itself, of course. But... The Chiefs' defense, without Nick Bolton, and with a Bears unit that is obviously deeply, deeply flawed and fundamentally broken, even then, Justin Fields had a play or two, maybe, where he was able to escape and do some damage with his legs, and the rest of the day, he just didn't have anywhere to go with the football. I'm partially basing this off of some tweets from the, the beat reporters from the Skybox, and we'll talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest later on in the show and, and get his view of this, literally and figuratively, his view on how all of this went. But both by the way Fields was scanning the field and by the way that the, the beat writers who are up in the booth were, were tweeting, the, the Chiefs secondary gave Justin Fields absolutely nothing to work with. And as sorry as the Bears' offense is, and their offensive line was in a bad spot before the game, 
they do have some talent amongst their pass catchers. They have some guys who can get some separation. And I think you saw that a little bit, not to pick on uh, Jalen Watson, who, who seems to have um, conceded that, that third cornerback job to Joshua Williams, who made a great play on the football. A couple drives later, Jalen Watson's in, uh, and, and the depth of the defense is being tested, and he has a couple of reps. You go, oh, that, you know what? It, I think I actually see why, why Joshua Williams has jumped Jalen Watson in that, in that rotation. In, in that little push and pull, I think you saw the Bears offense has some talent it's it's a mess all the way through, but it's really hard. No matter what receivers are running, it's really hard for a group of corners to just be in the pocket of NFL wide receivers who have the advantage of knowing where they're going, as they, the defenders, do not know. Just from a simple, basic sporting practice, that's a hard thing to do, and the Chiefs' defense was exceptional. They pressure Justin Fields. They rattle Justin Fields. Wire to wire. The Chiefs defense was spectacular today. Without Nick Bolton. Offensively, maybe this is the more immediately exciting development for most fans, and I wouldn't blame you. I'm leading with the defense ever so slightly because now we have three in a row in examples of the Chiefs' defense looking like the best unit on the field. Two touchdown touchdown drives against the Lions. One of them was after they got that stop on fourth and short. No touchdowns to the Jags. One late garbage time one to a Bears team that just wanted to put some points up on the board so badly that they settled for a field goal down by 41. This game ended 41-10. to And folks... It wasn't that close. Midway through the third quarter, 41 to nothing. And then it was time for the backups. It was time for Blaine Gabbard. A couple of picks. One, I think, was his fault. One wasn't. And we'll talk about Juwan Taylor and the alignments. And we'll talk about the offensive line altogether. And we'll talk about the refs. And we'll talk about all of the things that are going to come out of this game. Because there's a lot of action in the three hours that we just all enjoyed. But I'm not willing to say I need to calibrate to the level of competition today. I did tweet, it felt sort of like a non-con game in the middle of conference play. It's like, what is the, how did this game get scheduled here? Are you, are you sure you want this mid-major? Is this, is this the game you want right now? All right, fine, yeah, no, in-season tournament, whatever. But the Chiefs defense have proven it now. Against two really good offenses and the Bears. And their effort against the worst team of that group on both sides of the ball, being the Bears over the the Lions and Jags, they did the beat-for-beat exact thing we always ask them to do, and that they pretty frequently do not accomplish. We frequently wonder, how is this subpar team going to keep things close with the Chiefs? How are they going to make it stressful? How is this game going to go down to the wire? Is it an AFC South opponent? And this isn't a perfect way of viewing the league. Because there are exceptions all across the board. It happens all the time. Parity, and it's a difficult game, all of that. But a good sign 
of a great team is making a terrible team look terrible. And the Bears had an effort today that had Jim McMahon with just a one-word tweet of embarrassing. Bears fans across the nation and across decades look around and just have to be sick. And it's not because they lost to the defending Super Bowl champions. It's that that thing is a bleep show. And they got embarrassed by a real football team today. Making an NFL team look like junior varsity is something to be lauded. Because it is hard. It is also why with the Dolphins into the Broncos today is one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. But if the if the Bears would have had any bite offensively at all, or if Patrick Mahomes' ankle doesn't get rolled up on, if the Chiefs just keep their foot on the gas offensively, I'm not saying they should have done any of those things, but if they had, the the Chiefs could have taken the 70-point the, the distinction away from the Dolphins hours after their game wrapped up. Or could have at least joined them there. Could have set a new NFL record. Because the offense... The exception of what, the first drive? Just never felt like they were getting stopped or challenged in a meaningful way. And as much as I am disrespecting the Bears, with plenty of reason, as much as I'm disrespecting the Bears, all you can do against a terrible team that is down horrifically is keep them down. And how often have we said over over the last couple of years, in, in the era of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the, the best head coach-quarterback combo in football, with those guys, how many times have we said, ah, oh, the Chiefs, again, they played down to the level of their competition. They they let some subpar team get the best of them again. And if that's, man, that's, that's not disappointing, I don't know what is. So we'll take some calls, we'll hear some pressers, we'll go through all that here in a minute. But at least fight the urge to say, well, it was just the Bears. Because last year it was just the Colts. Every year it's just some AFC South team. And it was just the Bears today. And the Chiefs made them look even worse than they did when they walked into Arrowhead. That still counts for something. Let's talk about Jawan Taylor. So, in Jacksonville, the, the, the penalties pile up. It seems like it's snowballing. He's playing close to home. His former team got called out all night on Thursday Night Football. Has to adjust a little bit. They, he knows it's going to be a, a, a point of emphasis all week. So he's out there against the Jags. The, the penalties pile up. Again, snowballing. Andy Reid pulls him for a few plays uh, towards the end of a drive. He goes back out for the next one. That was a story. We talked about that a ton. Press conference with Jawan Taylor last week. We talked about it a ton. Today was even worse. Not in his execution, but in how things went. In part because of two things that I just don't know Jawan Taylor can do anything about. 
Now, look, when, when Prince Tega Winogo came in, who, by the way, was was eventually ruled out, like very quickly ruled out with a quad injury, uh, being ruled out that quickly, especially in a game where the Chiefs did not activate other tackles, uh, Lucas Niang and Wanya Morris were both healthy scratches in this game today. I am fully confident that at least one, if not both of them, will be active next week. Just because it being ruled out that fast makes me really worried that it's a long-term injury there for, for Prince. He was playing some pretty good football when he was out there to my eye. But they pulled Juwan Taylor. Prince comes in. And then Donovan Smith gets hurt. Prince moves over. Taylor comes in. Prince gets hurt. Smith comes back in. So that whole thing of musical chairs is just concerning for a number of reasons. Health and execution. But look, guys. The Marquez Valdez-Scantling touchdown that wasn't, that was before it wasn't. The flag went up at a time when I was expecting it to be a legal formation from the moment I saw the penalty. MVS was still I, I open. like he, I don't think he had the football yet. And well, it's going to be an illegal formation. And also the refs don't know either. Here's a little, just a little thought. I don't think the refs throw that flag on that play if they know it's about to be a bomb touchdown because they don't want this conversation. But too bad, you threw the flag, here's your bed. The way Jawan Taylor was lined up on the touchdown to MVS, it only happens every game, all the time, constantly. And so for whatever whatever reason that the, the league has decided to make an example of Juwan Taylor, if it's because, oh, it was just so embarrassing that a that a tackle was lined up a little bit outside of the intent of the rule and getting a great jump against the ja- against the Lions in, in the first kickoff game of the year, which, like, great time for the NFL to decide that we're done with this embarrassment. Like, really excellent. Priorities clearly in order. I'm going to just hold myself back from thinking of 10,000 other things the league should be more embarrassed by. I digress for now. For now. If we have to do this again next week, in prime time, and this show starts at 10.30, I might not. I, I might I might go ahead and list off. I might come up with a power ranking of top 10 things the NFL should be more worried about than Juwan Taylor's alignment. Fully guaranteed contract to a quarterback who plays in Cleveland. Okay, no, no, never mind. That alignment happens all the time and never gets called. Do you know a, a, a time it happened? The other side of the offensive line. Donovan Smith's alignment is is right there with Juwan Taylor. And look, Prince was lined up a little further up than, than Taylor was when he came in and started at right tackle. I'm not telling you that Juwan Taylor is exactly where he's supposed to be every time. I'm I'm not he's not what you're putting on the teaching tape, I suppose, in terms of your alignment. Why is it so hard for him to start aligning up a little bit further? I don't know. Andy Reid will get asked about it, and if he says, hey, some of that's on the refs and some of that's on Taylor, he'd be there's some blame to be shared. But the overwhelming takeaway for me, and I tweeted out the screenshots if you want to go judge them for yourself. At JB Briscoe. No E. But it happens. Every game. They could have thrown... That That was no worse than Juwan Taylor's every other rep. And he got flagged twice for it. 
the MVS touchdown was was no exception compared to everything else, every other way he had lined up. Do you want to penalize him every single rep until he moves his feet up? Does, does he need to have his head at the line of scrimmage, which isn't the rule? Do, do you need him to be leaned out further in front of the ball than Creed? A little neutral zone infraction from the offense? Is that even possible? I think it's just offsides, then I'm not sure. I don't know what Juwan Taylor can do when he's the poster child for something that he has always done. And I know we've beaten this point into the absolute dirt. And I'm going to do it again because it's a good point. Everything Juwan Taylor did in week one, and then did some in week two, and then did even less today, he was doing all day against Joey Bosa and the Chargers in a playoff game where, if memory serves, the Jags needed everything to go right pretty consistently throughout the back half of that game because everything else had gone wrong before that. And the Chargers charged, that's cool. But if they wanted to flag the Jags' right tackle for every time he was lined up far back, uh, farther back than, than is written down in the rule book, or every time he moved with the snap, the Jags never would have gotten an offensive snap-off in the second half of that game. Bosa was losing his mind because he was noticing what was happening in front of him. But that's not when the NFL sent out the new memo. And man, I really have no interest in being like, the NFL's out to get the Chiefs, like, sycophant, because it... Talking about the refs is no fun, and talking about the refs being out to get your team really sucks. I just don't enjoy that conversation. I don't enjoy being the person having it. I don't enjoy listening to it, whatever. With that being said, the league didn't decide that this was a debacle after that playoff game. It wasn't a debacle when he was going against the Chiefs in the next round of the playoffs. It was a debacle this year on Thursday Night Football in Week 1, the first game of the season. If you care about that, care about it during a playoff game, and that Jerron Taylor's got a whole offseason to know, like, all right, this thing's coming. And they're going to really be on my bleep until I am so above reproach that it would be insanity to flag me. And again, I if I'm Juwan Taylor, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, let me put my foot on the blade of grass that the ref tells me to. I might ask that ref every snap. I might look over and give him a little point, a little thumbs up, like a, like a receiver lining up on or off the line. Hey, am I good? Do it until the ref gets so annoyed that they stop watching you. Juwan Taylor needs to be better at that. I'm not arguing against it. That responsibility does fall to him. But man, how on earth could you even pretend to see something meaningful from the NFL from a refereeing perspective when they don't even penalize Jawan Taylor consistently? Does anyone in America... Does anyone believe that Jawan Taylor was in an illegal formation exactly two times today? Exactly two times. Bleep no, of course not. Exactly two times. That'd be ridiculous. Why am I making that the cutoff? Because that's how many times he got flagged for it. I don't remember the play. Was it declined, the first one? I think the first one is illegal formation. Maybe a target to Sky or something that, that they ended up declining. I think it was third down. Dylan, do you remember? The first illegal formation? 
that's exactly what my, my memory is incredible. Fifth drive of the offense, third and seven. Taylor's called for illegal formation, declined because it was incomplete. Uh, Mahomes taking a shot for Sky Moore. They end up settling for the field goal. So that one didn't even matter in the grand scheme of things. And the next one takes a touchdown off the board. Touchdown to MVS. Gone. And again, the flag's thrown before the play happens. The refs don't know that. It is completely beyond my imagination to hear an argument that the referees correctly checked Juwan Taylor all game. Because if you feel like he's playing by the rules, eventually maybe the eagle eye stops. Or if you feel like he's not playing by the rules, go ahead and call it every bleeping play until they have to pull him. It's deeply frustrating. And ultimately, I guess, not that surprising. Because the NFL's had a refereeing problem for ages. They refused to take some of the meaningful steps that could improve that situation. And here we are. We need to take a timeout. I know we got some calls on the line. The uh, Gary, Dan, and Butch. I'll get to you three on the other side of the break. And then we'll uh, hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and others throughout the course of the show today. Matt Derrick will join us later on as well. It's the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Chiefs win in a blowout. So why am I angry? Blame the refs, I guess. Oh, no! I just blame the refs in a 31-point victory. It's still a good day. There's just some really annoying drawbacks from it. Guess we got to shake it off. Eleventh play of the drive, Mahomes wafting end zone. There it is, a touchdown to Kelsey. Well, I think that picture uh, sums up the day here for Kansas City. They're they're on top of the world. Two plays in a row, Andy Reid's trying to get his best player the ball and just a great little nod shake route down in the goal line. And the Kelsey-Mahomes combination going to go down as one of the best ever. It certainly is, and that's our sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Introducing Cannoli Thunder Concrete at Andy's Frozen Custard. This Italian stallion of flavors is made with fresh vanilla frozen custard, crispy cannoli, cannoli shells, easy for me to say, sweet cream filling, and chocolate chips. Go to eatandys.com for the location nearest you. That's Andy's Frozen Custard. Andy Reid was ice cold today for the Chiefs offense. They did keep their foot on the gas until Patrick Mahomes had his feet wrapped up a little bit extra, having his ankle rolled back up on. We'll hear from Andy Reid later on, the injury updates and all of that. The uh, tackles situation certainly is uh, of concern, uh, both health-wise and it'll be interesting to hear from Andy Reid on uh, on Juwan Taylor as well. We will also later hear from uh, Jarek McKinnon, Trent McDuffie, Patrick Mahomes, and we've been told maybe Travis Kelsey. Look, if I was Travis Kelsey, that's the, I, I, I talked to you guys last week after the game. You're going to just ask me about who's in, the, who's in my suite up there. I got, I got better things to do. I got to go meet with the fan club. But I don't know. Maybe we'll hear from Travis Kelsey, maybe not. Um... Dylan, give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways on taking some calls here, or should we stay in a brief holding pattern? Are you currently 
Okay, so we're going to hold here for just a second, and it's either going to be McDuffie or Kelsey, or we'll take some calls. So just just a matter of time until Dylan lets me know which direction we're headed. Um, it sounds like we will be able to start taking the phones. I want to make sure. I don't like cutting people off when we just start opening them up and uh, have to make sure. Okay, great. We're good to take some phone calls, which means we start with Butch. Bur- Butch, first on, first up. How you feeling, Butch? Hey, gentlemen. How about those cheeks? How about them, Butch? Listen, I ate fried food for the first time in about a week and a half, so my gut is not agreeing with me. But you know what is agreeing <laughs> with me? My fandom right now, because I know for a fact that what the league is trying to do to the Kansas City Chiefs ain't going to work. <laughs> right? Now let's just get into the positives of it, man. I mean, let's start off with the good stuff. First of all, so what do we have with this team thus far? Okay, we have a team that's maybe regressing a little bit as far as injuries are concerned. Last year, very lucky with injuries. Beginning of the year this year, a little bit less lucky. That happens. What is changing? What's the next iteration of this team that allows you to stay a step ahead of the opponent? The way the defense is playing and the contributions, both free agency and draft, that have turned you into something on defense that you have not seen in years. That is real. It is real. It is on tape. Teams are going to be afraid of the way this team plays defense. Look on the other side of Chicago Bears, all that free agents and money, all those high draft picks, what'd that get them? Ten points, a barely. Near, a dang near 40 spot in a half. Yeah, that's true. That's the difference. It's tangible now what the Chiefs are doing. What else is real? I'd say number four is real. Yeah. When I go in there and put on the tape, I can. I got I had to take my glasses off. Like, Sammy, is that you? Is that Prime Sammy? Ooh, Prime With Sammy. explosiveness and, kind of, and cutting through, it's, it's starting to look like an outfit that says, hey, we don't have our best clubs in the bag. Today we did. But even if we don't, we have something that we can rely upon to where quarterbacks like you, Zach Wilson, quarterbacks like you, Russell Wilson, and quarterbacks like you, Justin Herbert, have to be concerned about because we're only giving you so much of what we can on offense because we know the league is trying to screw Juwan Taylor, which I know you got into a little bit earlier. But even if we don't get that, we can do the second iteration of that iteration, which is, which is what Steve Spagnuolo was talking about with getting turnovers. Two of them Two. off a of bad offense, but it still works. Look, I say all that to say this. Let's wrap up with this, right? The next few weeks, even with this bad sprain of his ankle with Mahomes, it's just a basketball sprain, wasn't a high ankle sprain like what we saw, you know, going into the playoffs. Is that going to be terrible? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But the way they work around that is by saying we have now four receivers that we think we can use to stretch off the defenses out because the deep ball is there. It, it, they're looking for it. It's there a little bit. It should have been there more today. It'll be there more next week. When we get that going, paired with this defense, we'll be ready for you, Buffalo, in the AFC Championship game mm. because that's what it's looking like thus far. Savor the flavor. Appreciate it, Butch. I'm going to circle back on some of the takeaways here today, but I want to get everybody a chance to get in before we have to go back to pressers. So next up we got Gary. Gary, you're on 810. How you feeling, man? Pretty good. I'm going to take the opposite approach. I think it was a product of a bad football team out there that we took full advantage of it. You can't fault them for that, but let's see what those receivers do next week when they go to New York and see that secondary because that'll be a better test for this offense to see where they're really at. But it was nice to see us run the football today. Yeah. But in closing, Jawan Taylor, I think it's time for the Chiefs just to start finding you every time you do it. That's 
that seems to affect you a little bit more. You know, $50,000 here, $50,000 there, it adds up over the course of the season because I guess Andy Heck's not getting through to him and Coach Reed's not getting through to him, but defensively, they're – Steve Spagnuolo's been one of my my ghosts for so long that I really can't criticize him through three weeks. Yeah. But I'm going to close you with this. How much longer do you think we'll see the Taylor Swift 87 tour? I'll hang up on this. Great show, Josh. Gary, I appreciate it as always. I hope we see that tour go as many stops as it needs to. Uh, but we'll get some more calls here. But first, Trent McDuffie now at the podium. No, not yet at the podium. Okay, never mind. He's on his way to the podium. Um, I, I think the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing has been a blast. And it's another ridiculous example of Kansas City briefly being, currently being the center of the universe, not just sports, but all together. Uh, it, it is really remarkable. Um, so, Dylan, I, I saw Lebo said McDuffie's about in the room. Do I have time still to, to take another couple calls? Okay, we still do. It looks like be a quick turnaround, and we can get to Dan. I know Dan is going to get it in under the buzzer. Dan, how you feeling, sir? I'm feeling great, Joshua. How about that dominant performance by the Chiefs offensively and defensively? And, uh, boy, I'm telling you something. I'm ready for that game next week against the Jets. All all Chiefs got to do, Joshua, just stop uh, Brees Hall and and Delvin Cook and and, uh, and the pressure on Zach Wilson. And he'll heal the boobers when they get started to turn off. Even though the Patriots dominated the game, I couldn't believe that. Hail Mary almost pulled that off. And how about the Dolphins? 70 points. First time since 1966. I'm looking forward to the next week. Take care of the Jets. Take care of yourself. Joshua. Dan, appreciate it as always. Uh, I uh, completely agree with those takes. Still got time to sneak in one more. Kyle, I don't want to rush you, but if we get you in now, you don't have to wait for any more pressers. So tell me how you're feeling, Kyle. Hey, hey, Josh. By the way, uh, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, real quick, um, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to the offense. Uh, I thought the, the wide receivers. Uh, Justin Watson coming in, clutch. Uh, I thought they played a lot better last week than this week, the route running and everything. The small things uh, they worked on, you can definitely tell in practice. And that's uh, and then second of all, the defense. Uh, offense wins games, defense wins championships, and this is the best defense champion, uh, best defense championship game uh, that I've seen. And one more thing, Josh, and I'm going to let you go on this. And now for the guy that uh, scored 40 points, Josh Briscoe, I'll, I'll listen to the call. Kyle, I appreciate you, sir. We're going to go right now to Arrowhead because Trent McDuffie just stepped up to the podium. When he has the ball in his hands, and shoot, when it came to that fumble, um, knew the certain look that we gave, you know, they might check to the screen, and sure enough, they did. Sure enough, they did, and uh, just made a play on it. And, man, all we do, Coach Bags, uh over the week just talks about getting the ball out, getting the ball out, punching and stripping it. And uh, fortunately enough, I was able to get it out. Yeah, um, man, missing uh, half the season last year uh, definitely gave me a chip coming into this year, um, just in terms of just the impact that I can have with this defense and being able to have Coach Spags trust me on the field, not only just with knowing my assignment, but he has this thing called My Job Plus and being able to go out there and make plays and really make an impact on the game. Um, it's something that I'm really focused on doing this year. Yeah, um, this is a young, and I keep saying this is a hungry defense, and we got a lot of guys committed to not only just um, the defense, but each other. And there's a big, strong brotherhood with this defense. and. Um, it's exciting to come in each and every day and work with these guys, and I feel like we are only scratching the surface. So, excited for the rest of the season. Can you, can you elaborate on 
Yeah, um, it's pretty much knowing your assignment each and every play, reading your keys, eye discipline, stuff like that. But um, it's football and things happen. And sometimes, um, even if you're doing your job, things go the wrong way. And it's pretty much just when things do happen, when things go wrong, or just in any down and distance, being able to make the play when you're needed. And even just when you're not needed, you know, when there's a freak long break and Justin Fields ran up the field and being able to stop him and get back on defense. Um, it's kind of just my job plus. Well, you're pretty clear, Chris. pretty Say one more time, sorry. Yeah, I mean, sure. You saw him last year, 15 sacks coming off a big year. Um, we knew that when he came in, he was going to make an impact. And it's nice as a DB to know that, you know, he's getting pressure each and every time. So, um, when it comes to first down, second down, third down, third down, being able to stop the run, play his gaps, get at the quarterback. Um, he's a tremendous player, and I know I love him. And we was just goofing on the sidelines, so I love to be around him. But um, yeah, it's great to have a D line who can get back there and get pressure. We hear, we hear the term brotherhood a lot, just amongst sports in general. Yeah, putting guys together doesn't always create that. Yeah. So what does that? How, how do y'all create that? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it just comes to how young we are. To be honest, um, knowing that you got a bunch of guys who just came in last year, who were new to the team last year, and Coach Bag was able to kind of just start off with a clean slate almost, um, kind of reteach the defense and put in his philosophy with all of us. And a lot of the guys bought into it and were like, okay, we got you, we trust you. And then, man, last year, I, at least as a DB in our rookie class, I can say that we were together every single day trying to teach each other to play, just checking in on each other. So when you got guys like that where football is the main thing, but also outside of football, you know, you can rely on them. They're checking up on you. You know, you're hanging out. We're going to eat dinners on Thursdays. Um, it's huge. And it just adds to the bond even more. How impressive is Drew Tranquil being able to step in for an all-pro like yeah. and, and not miss a beat? Yeah, it was huge. I was really excited that he was able to go out there. And, man, this defense is tough. And there's a lot of checks and spacks, puts a lot of pressure on our mic backers. and. He just rolled with the punches. I mean, throughout the week, you would have safeties, DBs. I mean, like, hey, what about this check, this check? What are you seeing? He's like, hey, guys, whatever you all see on this defense, you let me know. And he was able to go out there and run an efficient game and came up with some big tackles and was able to command this defense really well. So I thought Drew did an amazing job today. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. There you hear it straight from the man himself. The uh, Chiefs are done from the podium for now. We'll come back and hear from Jarek McKinnon and more locker room audio as well. Uh, I've already forgotten, Dylan, who we've got audio from. I know we got Trey Smith from SSJ and a couple others. If you remember, you can tell us. If you don't remember, it's no big deal. We'll, we'll just continue to bring you audio from Arrowhead one way or the other here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Ooh, Rasheed Rice and Willie Gay also. Uh, so in addition to McKinnon, Willie Gay, Rasheed Rice, Trey Smith, Matt Derrick, Isaiah Pacheco... It is a blowout of audio here today, fitting for a 41-10 to 10 victory. We'll talk about it more when we come back here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Mahomes, wide open McKinnon, he's in again! Touchdown, Chiefs! There's no better red zone schemer in the league than Andy Reid. Watched a little rub here that Rice does. They send him a jet, and McKinnon just sneaks right out. It's man coverage. 
Jaquan Brisker is matched up on Jarek McKinnon's got no shot. Nice job there by Rushy Rice. Running interference on the rub. And like you said, they can just do whatever they want. Some Andy Reid razzle-dazzle there on our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank of the Midwest. At Central Bank of the Midwest, every customer is a first-round draft pick. At Central Bank of the Midwest, strong roots, endless possibilities. Member FDIC. In fact, it's time to hear from Jarek McKinnon. See, uh, speaks at the podium from Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs running back back into his touchdown scoring way. Let's hear from McKinnon after the game. Man, super tight. Y'all already know this. Uh, but we, we said it all week. You know, we were trying to go for a hat trick. Everybody get a touchdown. Uh, runs got caught early. Plays got caught early for us. And we just maximized the opportunity. Jerk, you guys are facing a team that has some struggles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a tough team. Uh, they fought all four quarters, and uh, you know, obviously, they had a lot going on, you know, within their own team. Uh, but you know, we wanted to get back to doing what we do best, and uh, that was being the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Offensive-wise, you know, the first two weeks we didn't look too sharp, uh, so we got challenged by the coaches. We challenged ourselves, and uh, we came out today and um, we got off the right track. Much more balance today. I mean, did you appreciate the fact that you guys got much more involved in the game early on, especially with the run plays? Then, of course, mm-hmm. pay off the scores. Uh, of course, but uh, overall, just uh, more excited at the execution. Uh, you know, whether it's run, pass. Uh, I feel like uh, in the previous weeks we just lacked execution. Today we came out, we executed, uh, converted a good amount of third downs, and I uh, was able to keep you know drives sustained. Jared, probably too early in the season to say the offense needs a day like this, but does this Uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, but, you know, the thing about, you know, this team is we're never satisfied. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be another challenge next week. Uh, challenge by the coaches, challenge the team, then challenge within ourselves. So, you know, we're ready for the opportunity. Can you take us through your touchdowns? Which, which one? First and first, second. Uh, yeah, Coach Reed put in, you know, a couple plays for me. Uh, so, you know, when I, uh, you know, heard the personnel, I already knew what was going on. It was just a matter of execution. Um, you know, the, the first one that got handed off to Scott all weekend practice, so I had a feeling I was going to get in the game. Uh, but, you know, like I said, just a great collective effort. Uh, played great on defense today. Special teams played great today. Uh, just all around, just three phases. Just collectively played great. It seemed like a lot of inspiration with those dances you guys had. You know, you walk us through some of those? Uh, man, we just be clowning that practice. So, uh, you know, it's a little stuff in the works. But, uh, you know, we just out there having fun with it, man. That's what it's all about. Uh, you know, at the same time, it's a job. It's what we do. We want to win, but at the same time, we want to have fun with it. So um, I, th- I think that was the energy today, man. Everybody just had fun, let loose, uh, forget about what happened, man. Just come out and play football. How much fun is it to watch that defense operate? You know, they didn't give a few points. It was great. Uh, you know, we know what kind of defense we have. Uh, they played lights out the past, the past first, the first two weeks, uh, and then today they just kept it going. Uh, so, you know, we expect big things out of them this year. They got a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, anytime we need to play, we know we trust them and they're going to come up with one. It was a team effort both amongst the entire offense and the running back room, both sides of the ball carrying their weight. I mean, truly a, a team effort of the highest order. I, I um, will c- continue to hear audio from uh, Arrowhead as we go as well. But wanted to go back to a few of the things that some of the uh, last round of callers mentioned in the last segment. Um, you know, Gary mentioning that it is against the Bears, and I understand that it's a bad team. 
But that's all you can that's all you can ask a team to do is to make a bad team look like a bad team, to keep a bad team down. I mentioned this at the top of the show, but how many times over the, the years, and even in an era as successful as the Reed and Mahomes one, how many times have we gone, man, it just feels like they can't put a bad team away. They let they let this team stick around and then some wacky bleep happens. Not a problem today. I did think that it's an interesting point if you're if you're still uh, concerned about the Chiefs pass catchers, the wide receivers, um, which I am at least certainly monitoring this, um, to say, hey, the Bears secondary to the Jets secondary is an outrageously large gulf between those two. And that's absolutely true. Who's going to create separation from Sauce Gardner? I, I don't know. Who Who is going to cover Travis Kelsey? I, I also don't know. But that is a immensely more talented defense that the Jets have. That's, again, a completely fair point. They'll be on Sunday Night Football next week so we can see what the crew thinks of uh, how Juwan Taylor's lined up. Should be a lot of fun. But that will be a different standard and different target. I think you can fully credit the Chiefs for completely handling business against the Bears without forgetting that it was against the Bears. I think there's a sweet spot there that you can hit. Uh, But as Butch talked about with Rasheed Rice, who... I think young Sammy Watkins is a really fun comp. I think Mahomes might have used uh, Sammy Watkins as a comp during training camp, right? The second Blaine Gabbert pick was Rasheed Rice's fault. It, it like literally hit him in the Norma Hunt memorial patch, like on the front of the jersey, on the shoulder pad kind of thing right up front there. When a football goes like through your hands, hits you there, bounces up, bad things are going to happen. And that was a really disappointing last memory to have on otherwise really fun day from Rasheed Rice. About an inch short of two touchdowns. Looked comfortable in the offense. And after missing this assignment on, I think, what may have been his first target when Mahomes went to him and he just kind of slowed up on the route. I don't think it was an effort thing. I think it's trying to figure out where he's supposed to be thing. And that was like a red flag that immediately, you know, is worth noting because we've seen young receivers come into this offense and, and not figure out what the what the speed they're supposed to play at is. The rest of the game, Rasheed Rice, I don't want to skip over anybody, but I, I think I'm going to mean this when I say it out loud. In this one game sample size, I think Rasheed Rice looked like the second most comfortable Chiefs pass catcher in the offense and finding some space in the defense. That that play that was, again, just short of a touchdown where he just kind of runs down the seam and turns around and gives Mahomes a big target and, and continues to kind of move his feet and float a little bit backwards. And at that point, backwards being <laughs> downfield. Some of that stuff in, in his uh, first NFL touchdown, um, those are examples, not, not today, but earlier in the year. Those are examples to me of, of Rasheed Rice looking like a guy who understands how the field changes in real time and and how what he needs to do evolves as they're reading the defense. And as he finds some green grass in his zone where he has some space around him, hey, man, don't... You're not in any hurry to get out of this uncovered blade of grass. Hang out here for one second. Let's see if Mahomes gets it to you. Keep, Keep floating into more and more space and sort of glide away from defenders... That's a hard thing, apparently, just as we've seen it go. I, I never had to do this for Patrick Mahomes, but that that's a hard thing for young receivers to get comfortable doing because you have to execute your assignments and know when you're allowed and supposed to break them. I, I can fully understand why that would be a difficult thing. 
And Rice looks comfortable, and, and that's a, a huge, huge positive. I, I don't know if what his role will be next week. Um, the first target of the game today went to Justin Ross. He, he couldn't haul it in, but that was kind of interesting. You know, in the first 15, they're going to be doing things. But in a game where you, you could have told me, by the way, that Kadarius Tony didn't play. I don't think I wrote his name down one time. I don't know how many reps he ended up with. Um, he, he had a catch for a loss of one. Dylan, I'm honestly asking, do you remember that play at all? Did I write that play down, or is that somewhere in a chunk of plays around, ah, oh, loss of one, let's just skip on to second and 11? Who are we speaking of? Kadarius Tony. Oh. I did not write his name in my Google Doc. I just control F'd and looked. I think you're right, very early on in the game. It, and maybe that was like an early touch to kind of see how he was doing. He had the toe issue out of last week, and... Really now, in real time, we had a lot of moving parts of the post-game show during the game and all of that. So sometimes I'll look over at the box score and I'll go like, wow, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, Sky Moore had four catches for 42 yards or whatever. That feels about right. But sometimes I'll look over and go, oh, did I? What about that? What about this guy? Honest to goodness, you could have convinced me that Canarius Tony, I knew he wasn't inactive because I saw the inactives because <laughs> Wanya Morris and Lucas Niang were both healthy scratches for the second week in a row. Um, maybe did one of was one of them active in week one? I think one of them was. And Richie James to the IR means that you don't have a healthy, you don't have a scratch spot because he'll be gone for at least four weeks. Point being, in a game where Canarius Tony was not a factor, and ultimately Justin Ross, much to my chagrin, wasn't a factor. Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, and MVS are the only wide receivers who ended the game with positive yards receiving. But this Rasheed Rice development, seven targets, some of those were certainly from Gabbard. I, I need to figure out what the split was because that certainly changes the analysis. It's why I don't I don't go to the box score for the talking points, to be clear. I just sometimes I like to look over and realize, oh, the, the counting stats may have had some things that pop out of it that I that I didn't notice in real time. What I noticed in real time is that Rasheed Rice looks comfortable. And he looks like a weapon. And the Chiefs have been working really hard to find one of those guys. We were talking about it during the game with Sky Moore on that little, I think it was third down, third and three or something, where he just is, you know, runs a five-yard little out to the sideline and the ball gets delivered on target. You move the sticks. Sweet. If, if Sky Moore lives his Chiefs life as a possession receiver who has a chance to do something special after the catch if he ends up in space, I, I'd sign up for that future right now. The stuff that he wasn't doing through the first couple of weeks that I was hoping to start seeing him do as soon as possible is exactly that kind of thing. Hey, man, be be a, 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 a plus sticks mover. Dylan keeps mentioning uh, Julian Edelman. By the way, Joshua Briscoe here, Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass, Covell Hudson producing the effort as well. Dylan keeps, when we have our, our Sky Moore conversations, going, Julian Edelman, Julian Edelman. And Sky Moore is at least, he at least measures faster than Julian Edelman did. I would certainly bet. I do not know what Julian Edelman's last measured 40 time was, but I'm guessing it was slower than Sky Moore's. But if he is a persistent chain mover who, who Patrick Mahomes can confidently look to, so it's not just Travis Kelsey, I'd take that from Sky. But I'm not sure I would for Rasheed Rice. He's only three games into his NFL career, and he looks like he might have a real ceiling. And, you know I'm not being revisionist here, because we talked about this 
A little bit on Friday. Bears secondary is not good. Safety group might be the worst in the league. The MVS touchdown that wasn't, I really thought, was going to be the first of several more shots like that. They took one more, and the game was so out of hand, they didn't need to pick on those safeties anymore, so maybe they just didn't want to put any more deep route concept stuff on tape or whatever. Maybe maybe MVS was just out there running wind sprints, as, as always, just trying to drag safeties around, opening up stuff underneath. That's valuable. Justin Watson does a lot of the same, and Watson has looked like a real receiver this year. I'm, I say that with a tiny bit of surprise, but but no disappointment. Happy to see it. Point being, they took advantage of the matchup that they had. If the receivers look exactly this good next week against the Jets, I'll be more excited. But I can still be encouraged even by beating the Bears. Uh, Dylan, talk to me real quick in terms of getting that audio back from Arrowhead. He had a whiteboard with the names written on and everything ready to go. Didn't even have to. You're allowed to use your voice on the radio, too, Dylan. This show, very frequently, uh, specifically in the years as uh, Beards and McFly, similarly uh, bearded and and hatted. Uh, he was a backwards hat man. Dylan's wearing his forward, which I appreciate because he's a Colin Cowherd stand. Well, and also we're talking to adults. so <laughs> That's exactly right. I do think the sunglasses are disrespectful, but I like that they're the ones that have the funny print on them that look like big eyes. I got them all, I think. You got everybody? We're ready to start cooking through? Well, I've been talking about Rasheed Rice. I would genuinely love to hear what he thought about his game. Again, he ended on a sour note. That pick is his fault uh, off his shoulder pad uh, to my eyes, but... Overall, a really nice game, uh, while Patrick Mahomes was the one throwing them the football, at least. So let's go ahead and hear from rookie wide receiver Rasheed Rice after the third game of his NFL career. I remember talking to you at the charity softball game for MBS and how excited you were to be in this offense. After a couple of weeks, how's that feel? How are you getting accustomed and comfortable in this offense now? Uh, I feel like I was... Everything I've expected to happen is basically happening. Uh, it's not happening by you know me just waking up and it you know just me being in the right places. Me, it's everybody working together hard in practice just to know what our goal is as far as you know for the season. You almost had a couple today. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what did that feel like out there? You, I mean, good plays. Was you mad at yourself? Just come up just a little bit short. Good um, too. So I wasn't mad. Uh, I was I was still lit from you know thinking I scored, but uh, you know I mean Jet and and uh, Clyde scoring. I mean it didn't. I was happy for them, and I know that the ball kept coming my way. If I score with it, and it was fine. Uh, I know we got another game. We got plenty more games in the season for me to score. So as long as we got the win, that's cool. How does that feel just to go out and beat the hell out of somebody? <laughs> feels great. It feels more than great. And then I mean. Shoot, we took Pat out, you know, the second half, so I knew I knew we won the game. <laughs> so, so did you know Taylor Swift was here? Did you find out during, after, before? Like, when did you know she was here? I found out she was here when the last people just asked, interviewed me, and then I went to go talk to Trav. I didn't know. <laughs> so, so you a Swifty? Because if you weren't, man, you need to be now because you are. Yeah, I'm a Swifty. Okay, especially with 41 points up, she got a Swifty. Yeah, I'm a Swifty. She must be good luck. She got to come to every game. Hey, next week, Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. How excited do you go out and play against uh, New York on a Sunday night primetime? Uh, I'm more than excited. I mean, it's another game. Uh, all it is for us is another opportunity to keep going and keep being on pace for our goal. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Appreciate you. I didn't realize that was going to be all Rasheed Rice and SSJ. That's some good stuff there. Got a little got a little Swifty intel. How did it feel to beat the hell out of somebody? That's good stuff. This Stephen St. John fella. Like his arrows pointing up. I don't want to get ahead of, my, ahead of myself. I don't want to get too worked up, but 
That's fun. Let's let's hear how uh, Steven's conversation with Willie Gay went. Let's go to the defensive side. He's always a fun guy to hear from, and uh, the defense has been absolutely on fire in no small part because Willie Gay has played some really good football, and today Drew Tranquil played some excellent football because there's no Nick Bolton out there, and nobody missed a beat. Here's Willie Gay talking about the defense, holding the Bears to a late and honestly pretty sorry 10 points. Okay, whatever it is, whenever I'm out there, man, I feel like I can always do better to help my team. So, uh, but like I say, the win, man, and giving up ten points is always huge. Talk about getting the first win. Always big, especially when you do it like that, man. We wanted the goose egg, but uh, it came up a little short, so we're gonna try for it next week. Um, but the win is definitely the biggest thing. So. I think one of the things is last season you guys sometimes played down against a team like this. You went out today and from it felt like the world goal really put them away. Oh, yeah, man. We don't take it easy on anyone. You know, from a defense standpoint, uh, you know, offense don't do their thing, obviously. But uh, defense, we have to try to hold it down. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we just go out there, man, and finish the job like we did. So. What kind of identity has this defense established in three weeks? <laughs> the, the best defense in the NFL, man, definitely. So we're going to keep it rolling. Did you feel like you guys were able to rattle Fields a little bit? He's been struggling, and he struggled again today. Did you feel like you guys were able to get to him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With our speed, man, we definitely uh, had him back there back there, panicking and trying to just just, just make plays happen. And uh, we did, like I said, we did our job and made it hard on him, and it's the outcome. How good does it feel when you guys get out to a big league like that and then you get to spin the rears back and go after him? Hey, that's that's when the D-line eat, man. You know, back end's chilling, and D-line go, go do their thing. <laughs> You guys had to step up without Nick out there. What did you miss without Bowen? You guys still play very well, but, you know. Yes, sir. Like I said, man, there's no weak links in the linebacker room. So no matter who's down or who's up, you know, we're going to keep carrying it. And when those guys come back like Nick, we're going to be even stronger. So. see the defense just kind of humming these first three weeks. Yes, sir. They're doing it early than later. So I mean, oh, how yeah. How does that feel? feels great, man. Great start. So we're going to keep it rolling midseason all the way to the end of this thing. How good can you guys be as a unit defensively? Thanks. Even better. You know, we're looking for goose eggs. So, yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you, man. Good stuff there from Willie Gay in the locker room, which is our locker room report here presented by Twin Peaks. The Chiefs locker room report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. We'll take a time out here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Come back and hear from Andy Reid as uh, he looks like he had plenty to say, not just about the Chiefs' performance, but also about the treatment of Juwan Taylor. I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard the audio, so we'll find out. But I wonder if Andy Reid's press conference might cost him a few bucks in the league office today. I don't wonder if that fine would be worth it, because I'm inclined to believe it might be when your $80 million right tackle is the entire focus of one specific NFL rules campaign. Might be worth a few grand to uh, your favorite charity in order to tell the NFL how you feel about how the officiating is being handled. We'll hear from Andy Reid on the other side here at the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. Mahomes on the fake little flip. McKinnon going to walk in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Great play design. They bring Sky Moore across on the jet sweep, and they just turn it into a little jet sweep 
counter, little inside flip. It's really well done. It's really well done. It is some quintessential Kansas City Chiefs nonsense. And it's our Magic Mahomes moment of the game. Brought to you by Champion Heating and Cooling. Keep your family warm this winter with our Champion Premium Furnace. Find your local Champion dealer at championhomecomfort.com. And don't forget to ask about their free 10-year parts and labor warranty. Always leading, never compromising. Championhomecomfort.com. We will momentarily pivot over to hear from Andy Reid following his perform his performance <laughs> following the Chiefs' performance. I don't know, man. I mean, the coaches are working out there. Why do we say that players have performances and coaches don't? That feels like an unnecessary double standard. We're going to hear from Andy Reid after his performance, calling up a forty burger against the Chicago Bears. You know, the defense has gotten a little worse over the last uh, forty years or so. But hey, 40 burgers, a 40 burger, and it's pretty tasty. We'll hear from Andy Reid here in just a second. But first, uh, last week we, uh, we briefly talked about, and he was briefly asked about, tying the great Tom Landry uh, for the fourth most wins in NFL history. And today, of course, with the victory, he passes him. So now Andy Reid is alone in fourth place in NFL history for the most wins from a head coach. 271. Um, I don't want to be hyperbolic because eventually you're so hyperbolic that, you know, nothing ever sounds real anymore. But when I said earlier that the Chiefs are at the middle of the sports universe and really right now at the center of the entertainment universe, I want to take one second before we hear from Andy Reid to explain what I mean because if for any reason, if any by any chance... You are a Kansas Cityan, either longtime native, recent transplant. Maybe you were from Kansas City and you're listening from, from farther away now. appreciate all of you. I always enjoy those stories, no matter how they go. But right now on my TV during Sunday Night Football is a Taylor Swift Capital One commercial. This commercial has been running for years. I've seen this for years It because God only knows how much money Capital One gave to Taylor Swift. She's in all sorts of stuff, it seems like, for them all the time. They keep using the same commercials. She's a walking economy. Today, the star of the star of stars right now was in a suite at Arrowhead Stadium, sitting next to who was the star of Super Bowl week, Donna Kelsey, who is the mother of two-time Super Bowl champion and Saturday Night Live host Travis Kelsey, who catches passes from Patrick Mahomes, who signed a half a billion dollar contract as his first extension at the NFL level that's now been retooled to give him even more money even earlier on. And part of his success, of course, can be attributed to one of the greatest offensive minds in NFL history, who is now fourth in NFL history in wins by a head coach. And I'm pretty sure I missed some stuff. I'm not even talking about the draft and the Super Bowl. The the recurring AFC Championship game and draft being in, in Kansas City, of course. Super Bowl just being a thing that the Chiefs are on the national stage in. Kansas City is so hot right now. It's crazy. And and really, I don't know if I, if I said the phrase um, greatest tight end of all time. Because if I didn't, forgive me, I should have talking about Travis Kelsey. 
greatest quarterback in football, who I believe will be the effectively LeBron to Brady's Jordan when we look back in NFL history. And there's such huge eras and all of that. I, you know, not, that wasn't even a Taylor Swift bo- uh, joke. That was that was just a slip. What are your thoughts about Kobe to Jordan? That's kind of interesting. And then Williams is LeBron. <laughs> LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure who Kobe gets to be because I think, I think I think Mahomes is going to be in more LeBron territory because I think the championships are going to be there, which is me being a little hopeful, and you know, genuinely believing it. But that's what we're talking about. I think I said LeBron, Jordan, Dylan. You said Kobe. Do you know what those three guys have in common right now? One name. One name. Jordan. Jumpman. Tongue out. J- dunking. LeBron. Biggest name in sports for 15 years. Kobe. Mamba. Killer. One of those fun players that we've, we all got to witness. I don't want to, I don't care about having, I I like analytics and efficiency and all that. I don't want to have an efficiency conversation about Kobe Bryant. You know what I remember about him? Dog. Brady. Manning. Mahomes. Which Mahomes? No, no, no. Mahomes. Kelsey. Kelsey who? Nope. No offense to Jason. Love the dude. Hall of Fame brothers. Those dudes are both Hall of Famers. Which I think means Donna should also get in. I think Donna Kelsey should get a bust. If you if you have two sons get into the Hall of Fame, you at least get, maybe it's like a smaller one, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Contributor to the game. She should get in as a contributor to the game. That's what they have that category for. Point being, there is greatness on top of greatness on top of greatness in Kansas City right now. And that's aside from the fact that the biggest entertainer in the world was in a press box at Arrowhead today. It's just fun. I just, I I really honestly, because I also have to check this for myself, maybe even more so than most, most people do, because... As, as fun as this all is, please don't hear me, you know, uh, complaining about this fact. But, like, also during Chiefs games here, we're working. Like, we're taking notes and trying to get good angles on the game and figure out what's going on there. And then we're producing on the fly and cutting highlights and bringing in all this for the post-game show. And so pretty frequently, I will find myself, like, getting in the car to drive home at night after the post-game show. And that might be the first time that I start, like, feeling what's going on. I'm thinking, and we're firing, and we're... After losses, I start feeling things pretty much right at the beginning of the show. Sometimes it, it changes. But it's hard It's hard for, for us, when everything's moving at full speed here, to let stuff really sink in. That's what it, more, less, less about feeling at all, but really letting it sink in. I've, I've done three Super Bowl postgame shows. That's crazy. Because I thought if that was ever going to be true, I would have to live to 95 years old. And they won two of them. That's crazy. And so, you know, week three against the Bears, is that a little bit of a weird time for me to want to hit the pause button and make sure people are appreciating everything? Maybe, but I don't want you to just appreciate what happened today. 30-point win, Taylor Swift, etc. I just, I want to I want to plant that bug in your brain. You can mark that for cuts on Friday if you want, Joan. That's going to sound crazy out of context. <laughs> I want to plant that bug for the rest of the season for you 
Because once I started doing this more more actively, or more intentionally or whatever, I I started seeing when I was just sort of letting it my eyes gloss over or just kind of making sure we were getting the show done and focusing on all that. I really hope everyone's appreciating how outrageously once in a lifetime this is. I don't want to make you scared that the end's coming soon or whatever. I, I think there's a pretty darn good chance that Andy Reid gets to 300. He's at 271 right now. I don't, I don't think he goes home every night thinking about retiring. That's not the feel I've ever gotten from him. And I certainly hope Travis Kelsey looked healthier today by a, an order of magnitude. I, I hope we get to take this for granted if we choose to for, for many, many more years. But as he as Andy Reid rises to fourth most wins in NFL history and the entertainment world is hounding Kansas City right now. I want all of us who love this place to take the time to appreciate how wild that is and how awesome it is and how that shouldn't be something we take for granted, shouldn't be something that we just assume is going to keep happening or going to happen again. Because I can't believe it's happening now. Let's hear from Andy Reid. Enough from me. Let's start hearing from the guy who actually calls the plays. Andy Reid's press conference brought to you by Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia. Get a worry-free money-back guarantee on new vehicles when you buy from Brogdon. Visit brogdonautomotive.com. Also... Brought to you by Westlake Commercial, a division of Westlake Ace Hardware. They're your local business-to-business supply partner. Their commercial team, dedicated business-to-business website, credit terms, and convenience store locations make it easy. Visit your local Westlake Ace Hardware store or westlakehardware.com slash commercial today. Let's go to Andy Reid. Starting from the top, a few uh, questions uh, here in the opening statement as he goes through his thoughts from the Bears game and uh, the injury report he had as well. Here's Andy Reid's first uh, thoughts after defeating the Bears 41-10. to All right. Um, As far as injuries go, really Prince uh, is the only one uh, to mention right now uh, with a left quad. Everybody else finished the game. and did okay. Uh, defensively, listen, I'm I'm proud of proud of our guys. They they played their hearts out on defense. We had some great individual um, efforts uh, between McDuffie. Seemed like he was all over the field. Um, Edwards got his first interception off a of read tip. So, um, and then the D line I thought played well. Spags had a phenomenal game plan, and uh, the guys were flying around as as did the other coaches that were involved with it. Offensively, um, you know, we got got things rolling, um, and uh, that's a plus against um, uh, a defense, you know, that spanked up a little bit. Um, so, but our guys uh, did a nice job with that, and uh, whether it was Patrick uh, with his stats who were phenomenal, uh, Pacheco, uh, McKinnon, and a couple TDs, Rice. Uh, she showed up um, and had a nice, did a nice job. Matt Nagy again and the offensive coaches put together a very nice game plan and and um, and then special teams contributed. So really, all three phases got involved. Um, again, Dave and Andy put together their their game plan there. But it was good to see this Montreal Washington. You know, we haven't seen him do uh, his thing here, and so he went out and got a couple of nice returns and. I thought did a did a good job. Looked very secure with with the ball there. So, um, all in all, a good win. 
know, my hat goes off to the Bears. Like I told the guys in there, they they played four hard quarters. I mean, there's, you know, Matt's uh, he's got a few guys banged up, and but the guys played hard. So, anyways, for that time, George. Let me say this: you don't become the fourth winningest head coach in the history of football, and also be completely beloved by your peers by dumping on the crummy team you just killed. And that's what Andy, you hear it in there. You know, they're a little banged up. We got right offensively. They're missing some pieces. But, you know, Matt's a good coach. You know, a little banged up. Uh, Also, the shout out there to Montreal Washington. He was the guy you saw back there wearing number 12 going, sorry, where did he come from? He was, I believe it was a fifth round pick last year by the Broncos. uh, And then I think was just cut down at at roster cuts. And when the Chiefs were were building up their practice squad, he was an addition from outside. Most of the practice squad guys are are ones who uh, didn't make the cut and then got scooped up there. Well, the Chiefs elevate him uh, as Richie James goes to IR. They they don't have to keep him on the active roster in this window. They they would eventually if they want him to be back there every day. But uh, he gets the call up instead of having one of the other six active receivers um, so they activated seven receivers again today, I guess, then, huh? That's kind of wild. I thought, hey, no Richie James should be able to activate Lucas Niang or Wanya Morris in case you need them, in case all of your tackles start getting hurt. Uh, but Washington did look good back there. It, it wasn't uh, huge, huge, huge plays, but as Reed said, it's the most important part. He looked secure with the football, even in insecure circumstances. He had that one rep where he was hit by, I can't remember who it was, but one of the blocker chiefs, and then by the guy who was running his blocker back, and then uh, broke a tackle after that. So uh, a nice a nice Chiefs debut there for Montreal, Washington. Uh, next here from Andy Reid, talking about the defense a little bit, and then addressing Jawan Taylor. I have a feeling that that's going to be noteworthy. I thought we'd be where we are. Um, I, I just playing well. The young guys, I think, have um, done a nice job. Uh, you know, Reid's one – he's one more year in it and is comfortable – um, you saw what Edwards did, and but the you know the, the young guys are better. I, I mentioned it during training camp that the zones are, you know, the zones are tighter and man coverage is better, and you know we're we're getting the young rushers up there. They're, they're doing a better job, and <clears throat> and linebacker position strong. I mean Bolton didn't play today. Drew stepped in, and I thought did a heck of a job. So um, Willie pushed himself through and played, and you know I, I just. Uh, um, I think it's an overall effort there just uh, of guys going through that growth process, but I'm proud of them and how they're playing. They're playing hard and aggressive. The the thing is, you know, Adam, I mean, you got to do it every week. So you got to make sure that you you prepare and, and uh, have yourself mentally ready to go every week. Yeah, you know, last week we had like over 400 yards, and it just it, it um, we were shooting ourselves in the foot with some of the penalties, and we we cut down on that a bit. I think, you know, there, uh, you know, I checked out all the looks uh, that our right tackle got called on today, and I, you know, I'm seeing it on both sides of the ball. I'm seeing it with the our left tackle. I mean, I'm, I'm not, he might be being picked on just a little bit here, but uh, uh, I felt today. Uh, I thought they did a good job the week before, but today I thought it was too much. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't seeing it, <clears throat> but uh, you know, still we got to keep working on that and and uh, get through this. Why did you take him out there? Well, I subbed out some guys, just um, you know, and he also got hit in the mouth and he's got a little cut in there that wasn't feeling too good. <clears throat> 
and he'll be fine. I mean, that's, he's not, I'm not I'm trying to hide that from you, Adam. <laughs> we'll try to hide that injury from you, Adam. <laughs> that's fun. And also not the entire truth, right? I mean, it, Juwan Taylor came out and Prince went in and the rest of the ones stayed the same. That I, I, if I had to guess, and the rest of it I think was even more interesting than the last part, but if I had to guess, Andy Reid took Juwan Taylor out not because he thought he was having those infractions, but because they kept getting called and he wasn't able to adjust to that. So you say, all right, I, we can either have who we think is the better tackle out there with refs locked in on him, or we can send Prince out there and, and figure it out. But the real takeaway there, quote, might be getting picked on just a little bit. Saying today in particular, quote, today I thought it was too much. I wasn't seeing it. Andy Reid took it for week two. And Jerron Taylor took it in week two. I know Mahomes talked about it also. We'll we'll hear from him in a bit as well. But Andy Reid said there at the podium, it might cost him a little bit of money. He really couched it in a way that that I hope it doesn't, uh, I think as he said in years past, impact the uh, Christmas gifts for the grandkids. But he's right. Sorry. Bad news. I hate to be the ref guy. Genuinely, I really don't enjoy it. And I hate to play into the NFL having some grand conspiracy against the Chiefs, because that's not true either. The NFL wants their stars to be stars and wants them to be at the center of the universe. Right now, we got Steelers Raiders on TV, and the NFL is not happy about Jimmy Garoppolo versus Kenny Pickett. You don't think it helps the NFL's bottom line that Taylor Swift is <laughs> at Chiefs games? I think it might. Uh, so, yeah, I, yes, let, let that team be let that team be the national story of yet another year. It's a good point, Dylan. I think they're perfectly happy with that. I think they're perfectly happy that, that Taylor... I didn't see, I've never seen Taylor Swift in another team's booth. She might have gone to an Eagles game at some point. I don't know. Maybe she's got a secret suite somewhere. Maybe she just you know likes to catch a game. But the NFL benefits not at all to that point. Not at all by making the Chiefs more annoying to watch or trying to hold them down. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think it's bad officiating and a really unfortunate consequence of a some also pretty poor um, broadcasting choices in, in week one, I believe. But I digress, because uh, next up, our own Todd Lebo asked Andy Reid about Drew Tranquil stepping in for Nick Bolton today, uh, which was an absolutely excellent performance, in my opinion. But what did Andy Reid see from Tranquil stepping in for that mic position? Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a smart kid, so I thought he got in there and, and, and did a nice job of uh, with the calls, lining guys up. Um, I, again, I haven't seen the tape on it, but it looked like he, he did a pretty nice job um, for the most part. So, um, but, you know, he's, he's a good player. He was good. We competed against him all these years. So, I mean, he's a good football player. We, we knew that. How valuable is it that you guys have three running backs that you kind of turn to? Yeah, I thought, listen, I thought all three. I, I didn't even mention Clyde. I mean, Clyde, I thought, played great. He, he went in the second series, and he, we worked him in throughout. And um, I mean, to have those three guys, I... I, you know, I think it's great. And then he finished the game, and, uh, you know, what we needed that. We needed to get that last first down and just take that knee right there, and he, he went and got it. Pacheco is so fun to watch, and, and it he's right. Pacheco's a blast. McKinnon got two touchdowns, and uh, Clyde got a score and, and had, I think, his best game of the season, certainly. I don't know where that leaves him for best game since X, Y, or Z, um, because... 
he was playing pretty good ball, then got hurt, and then never got on the field again last year. But uh, a trio of running backs, This what we saw today running back-wise is almost exactly what I anticipated the goal to be for this trio, where Pacheco is the guy... Uh, Crazy that Clyde and Pacheco ended up both with 15 carries. That's shocking to me. That did not feel like that's how the day went. Some of that's later on, too. Again, so these don't take these final numbers too seriously because the game fundamentally changed a little after halftime and certainly after all of the, uh, after Mahomes and a bunch of the starters came out and they shuffled things around later. So, again, but uh, with, with how the game went in the flow of the first half, especially. Letting Pacheco be your energy guy that, that's just getting fed here and there and getting you some some very active yards, giving Clyde a chance to be the sort of change, not even change of pace guy necessarily, but just another dude who can share that workload a little bit. And then McKinnon is just a just a weapon that's that's hard to quantify uh, because he's such a unique one. But that's a great rotation the Chiefs have there. Last one from Andy Reid, his thoughts on Patrick Mahomes, and uh, then you'll hear the follow-up regarding uh, Andy Reid's uh, status with Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, he did He did a good job with that. He, all the way around, he, he played a good game. I, I mean, I've got the 24 for 33. That's not a bad day, you know? So, he's, um, I always say this, we're lucky to have him, and city of Kansas City is lucky to have him, and so on. So, he's a, um, He's a heck of a player. Anything else? Last one. You know what? I've met her before. <laughs> Adam, I set him up. I just leave him with it. <laughs> All laughs after a win and well-deserved ones. Uh, that's our, our friend Adam Teicher of ESPN, who might have been, I don't know why, might have been the funniest person that could have asked that question, because I genuinely believe that he was sorry. Like he said, Andy, I'm I'm sorry to ask you this. I think he's right. But uh, a great, great, great question from Adam and a great answer from Andy Reid. Again, the type of the type of chuckles you can have after a 41-10 drubbing that, once again, was not nearly as close as the final score indicated, even in a 31-point victory. That's the blessing of uh, of a get-right game like this where uh, I believe the best team, work in progress, but I believe the best team in football uh, just throttled what may almost surprisingly, from where the preseason began, maybe the worst team in football on the other side. Looked that way tonight. That's all you can ask for. We'll take a break. Come back and hear from Patrick Mahomes next in the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. It's only the second target for Moore. Fields is only 3 of 6 for 35 yards passing. Stands in and delivers here. Tipped and it's intercepted. It is picked off. Mike Edwards, a former Buck, has it. Well, it's rolling right now. Look right here at this flat defender. They're going to run a little snag, and they're going to try to run behind him, and he just okey-dokes. Justin Reed dropped down there. He just okey-dokes. Looks like he's going to jump Cole Komet. He fools Justin Fields and gets his hand up on the ball. That's a great job there by Justin Reed, and Leads to the easy tip drill there to Mike Edwards. An incredible play there by the Chiefs secondary, ending with an interception by Mike Edwards. That's our defensive play of the game, brought to you by Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence, as Kansas City's preferred fence company, has been serving the KC metro areas for over a decade, offering security and style. Call 816-863-6159 or go to slagelfence.com for your free estimate. 
It's been great defense for the Chiefs all season long, continuing today. But we'll go back to the offensive side of the fence to hear from Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. A scary moment when his leg got rolled up on. It looked at first like he was holding his knee. I think ultimately he was just sort of uh, putting some of his weight on his knee or, you know, kind of trying to hold his balance or whatever. Uh, but it was the ankle rolled up on, the same one that was a problem throughout the playoffs last year. Sounds like it's going to be okay. Uh, although I, I say that with just a, a tiny bit of, um, tiny bit of remaining concern. Sometimes those injuries have a way of getting worse after you're resting on them and, and it can nag on. So certainly we hope that's not the case. We'll hear from Patrick Mahomes in mere moments as the quarterback's press conference is brought to you by Kansas City Acura Dealers. As the Chiefs march towards another epic year, visit your Kansas City area Acura Dealers to score jaw-dropping deals on new and pre-owned Acura models. Plus, get overpaid for your trade. Shop your Kansas City area Acura Dealer and go Chiefs. Let's hear from Mahomes starting with a big play to Justin Watson. You'll hear the rest of the questions in the clip as it goes on to uh, talk more about the offense, the ankle, and uh, how they spread the ball around with the running backs. But things opened up with Mahomes with that big throw to Justin Watson. Um, yeah, it was um, he actually was just supposed to have an over route um, and how they disrupted the two guys that were the first two options. It just kind of opened up um, down the field and I was just trying to find a way to get, because I was supposed to be on the move, and I got kind of caught up in the middle there. Um, and I was just trying to find a way to get it to him. And, I mean, it was a heck of a, a way of tracking the football, staying in bounds and making a tough catch. Um, um, it, I have a lot of confidence in Jay Watt, man, and uh, he makes a lot of plays uh, in a lot of big moments. It's obviously a lot of Yeah, no, it, it always feels good to kind of get the whole offense going. Um, I mean, obviously – uh, the first two weeks, we we just kind of have been out of rhythm. We haven't kind of got drives and sustained drives going. And so just to not have those uh, killer penalties um, and to kind of get the offense moving in the right direction. Um, and then all that other stuff kind of comes with it. So uh, I was proud of the guys today. Uh, still little things here and there we can tweak, but uh, it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I made it I made it fine. Like it was, it, I would have been fine to play the rest of the game. Uh, I think, if anything, it kind of scared me more just being that, that ankle. And so uh, it, it scared me a little bit more. We taped it up, um, and then I was able to go. Patrick, the balance you guys had, especially getting the running backs involved, just how happy were you to see them get involved, get their touchdowns as well, just as the overall part? Yeah, it was important for us. Um, not only um, the, uh, for me, but I think for the offensive line and for how teams are playing us, but those zone coverages, we're going to have to run the football. Um, and so to be able to get those guys going downhill, getting, making the run plays, it opens up everything else. And I talked about it a little bit there after the game, but um, when, the, when the run game gets going, that's when the offense gets going. And people see the high fly, they see the throws and stuff like that. But that physicality that you have in the run game, um, that's what takes the, uh, the offense over the top. And so I was glad we were able to get that going. Uh, look, I, I, uh, the Chiefs will never be a run-first team, nor should they be. It's the modern NFL. You want to throw the ball and then run when it's easy. But that's something that the Chiefs have had some issue doing, running the ball when that should be the easy thing. And that was not a problem today. Run game looked good. O-line looked better in the run game. And again, you got to adjust for the fact that it's the Bears. But if you can't enjoy... If you can't enjoy the offense looking good against a bad defense, what would you be thinking if they looked poor against a poor defense? All you can do is look good against the JV team you beat, and most JV teams don't actually perform down to that level. Next week, we get Bears-Broncos on Sunday. I think that game should get flexed to Thursday Night Football. Honestly, move it up a few days. Go ahead and just speed that thing up. That, ga- that game is built for Thursday Night Football. Al Michaels at the end, I think, would be fully cursing. Maybe drunk. 
Maybe retire, probably, actually. After Colts-Broncos last year? If he, if, if he made it through Colts-Broncos and then has to sit around for Bears-Broncos. I think he hangs him up. Maybe at halftime. <laughs> maybe, maybe at half. That start the, to start the second half, maybe it's just Kirk Herbstreit in an empty booth. Going, hey, guys, uh, it'll just be me taking you the rest of the way. Point being, we'll see who's worse in that group, and we'll, we'll figure that out next week. They look good today, and that's all you can ask for. Seeing the running game going, I think, is absolutely an excellent thing. And the most important part there being that sounds like the ankle's okay, that he could have finished the game. It kind of scared him if they taped it up. I would say that I think if he felt perfect, I think he probably stays into the game until that whole first-team line change all went, but Gabbert was out there with the ones for a little while. He didn't say it is perfect. He said it mostly just scared him because it's the same ankle and everything. It was the toe, you know, in the year where the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl and lost to the to the Bucks. That toe injury just kind of kept barking for a while, and then after the season, he got the surgery and kind of admitted that it was really, it was really a problem. Uh, let's keep an eye on the ankle as time goes on, but it looked like it was just a little roll up, you know. I, I think it was Butch who just who called it a basketball ankle sprain, not not a high ankle like like the one in the playoffs. Um, so hopefully, it is just as simple as that. Maybe he's a little sore for a while, and uh, if the Chiefs want to let Gabbert run the offense and practice this week, it wouldn't wouldn't bother me, but. Something to keep an eye on, just because you know I worry about Patrick Mahomes. I can't, I can't help it. Uh, but I also worry, maybe even a lot more right now, about Juwan Taylor. Uh, Patrick Mahomes asked if it was uh, starting to feel like maybe Juwan Taylor was getting picked on the refs a little bit, which was how Andy Reid described it. Yeah, I, it's it's wild to me. I mean, when you go back and look at the tablet, and they're both in the exact same spot. I just, I just, I don't understand it. Um, it it's 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 hard. He's playing great football and he's getting these penalties thrown on him and I mean I know it's hard to be in the, uh, to officiate um, but I watch a lot of tape and it's he's no deeper than any other tackle in the league I mean there's other guys that are even further back than he is so it's it's crazy to see and hopefully it kind of calms down as the season goes on but I mean he's making adjustments and it seems like even with his adjustments they're not um, they're not good enough I guess Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's still in my mind, but I, I mean, I like I like beating them for sure. <laughs> what makes Jared McKinnon such a weapon in the passing game? He got ten touchdowns in the last nine. Yeah, he has great feel of finding the end zone. My daughter is just yelling. Um, he, he has uh, he has great great feel of finding the end zone. Um, he's a veteran player. I've always talked about that. He knows how to get himself open um, and get those yards and, and get into the end zone. And so. Uh, um, Obviously, we had more more success in moving the ball and getting into the red zone. But I mean, he's a guy that can play all around the field. But it seems like when he gets in the red zone, he gets in the end zone. Did you see his drum major touchdown celebration on the first one? And you I didn't. I, I don't know if I saw the the first one. I, I saw the second one. He was high stepping down the sideline. I had to stop because I was like, oh, he's going to go the full length. And so it's, uh, he's a he's a he's a great football player. And uh, the celebrations are. I don't get I don't get told the celebrations beforehand, so I'm always just kind of chasing everybody else. That's fun, uh, but I'm going to go back to the serious part of it here. It's uh, also hearing uh, Sterling in the background. Uh, Teicher tweeted out a picture uh, when that was uh, happening originally, too. That's fun if you want to check it out on his uh, his Twitter page. But on Juwan Taylor, this is from Patrick Mahomes, everybody. 
a guy who, as he mentions, watches a fair amount of tape. It's wild to me. They're both in the exact same spot. I don't understand it. No deeper than any other tackle in the league. And then says that it seems like the adjustments aren't enough from the, the ref's perspective. That, that Taylor has been making adjustments, which I did think there were adjustments there. I, th- I thought he was lining up further up, and I thought his get-off still looked very good, but did not sort of have that optics of, of looking early. They is Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith. Andy Reid said when he was asked about it, on bo- he used the phrase, on both sides of the ball. I tweeted out the, the screen grabs. You know, the picture's at an angle, but it looked to me like Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor were pretty much lined up the exact same way. And it wasn't the tackles are lined up illegally. It was the right tackle. I really wonder. Oh, God, but next week's Sunday night again. It's Sunday night crew again, I should say. Being Tariq and Collinsworth. I feel like this should be about enough. I feel like I feel like the officiating crew, whoever it is, on Sunday night next week, should get at the memo that's like, hey, guys, we, we made our point. If it's, if it's egregious, flag it. But if it's not egregious, which is what I think illegal formation should be penalized for. If it is, if it is fudged on, on either end of the bookend, I, I really don't care. For, for my team or for another team. I really, truly don't care. Because if, if a receiver is slightly too close to the line and so he's covering up a guy or if he's someone slightly too far off the line, they don't have all the legal guys if if it is a mental mistake in the alignment and someone is rind, lined up in the wrong spot flag it if they're getting an egregious advantage flag it if if they're just lined up a couple inches too far up too far back compared to where you'd like them to be in the way that happens all the time nobody likes that no no nobody wants that guy in their life. You want that guy who, who's being a little bit too by the books, calling his own fouls and pick up basketball. Hey, you didn't. You got to check it behind the half court, and you got to dribble behind the half. Nope. You pass it to me, then I pass it to you, then you pass it back to me, and I'll pass it back to you again, and then you dribble, and then your possession begins. All right, dude. I'm gonna find somebody else to play with. This sucks. Find the spirit of the law. Make it work. And if Mahomes is is befuddled by it, I feel even more validated being befuddled by it myself. Last one here from Patrick Mahomes. Um, He'll talk a little bit about the 25,000 yards for his career now, the the youngest quarterback, the fastest trip ever to that. I don't know if he's the youngest, because I guess there could have been younger quarterbacks who played. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he's the, the, the... Phrasing that I saw on on socials was that he was the fastest quarterback to 25,000 yards, and, and how he feels about that. But first, Patrick Mahomes asked about Travis about uh, about Travis Kelsey's plus one, I suppose. Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean she's a tremendous. I mean she's a pop star. She's a tremendous singer. Tremendous at everything she does, and I haven't got to meet her. Um, but I mean, I guess if, it's, if, she, if she ends up being with Travis, then I'll probably get to meet her at some point. So it uh, seems like a good seems like a good person. So uh, hopefully, I get to meet her one day. Did you know she was going to be here? Did you tell anyone that? Yeah, but he, he told he told me at like the last minute. But there's some things with Trav where he kind of just says it, and you're like, you don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> uh, he says it so calmly. Um, I mean, I remember one time he was like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the uh, world one of the World Series or one of the playoff baseball games." And I'm like, "You said it so randomly," and then he just went, and I was just like. But the same thing, it was like Friday, he was just like, 
uh, yeah, I think I think she's coming to the game today, and then just moved about his. Bus- I mean, to the game this weekend, and then moved about his business. So you're kind of like, it's, I guess it's, I, I guess that just happens. I guess so. Uh, I don't know. This is Travis. Uh, you got 25,000 yards. Yeah, it's 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 cool. Um, it really is cool. Um, I don't think about that stuff. Um, but to do it at Arrowhead, throwing it to Travis, um, uh, who's got a lot of those yards. I mean, it, it is it's uh, it's 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 a tremendous honor to be a part of this organization and be able to do stuff like that at this stadium. It'll be stuff I remember the rest of my life. Uh, I did not get the ball. I don't know where Travis did with it. So we'll have to get the fifty thousand faster than anybody else, and we'll get that one. All right, thank you. Mahomes already ready to move on to the 50,000. That's some good stuff there from the second most famous person at Arrowhead today. Probably not third, right? Probably second. In football, I mean, in football, everybody knows Kelsey and Mahomes. Outside of football, I think it, most people know Mahomes. Travis goes, Kelsey hosted SNL. And, and especially right now? I was going to say, he has Swifties now, and that's a large contingency. He does. Any true Swiftie now knows who Travis Kelsey is. Correct. And they may not even watch football. Yeah, they... I'm, most likely, most of them don't. I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that doesn't get cut. If you're a Swiftie who learned about Travis Kelsey because of his association with Taylor Swift, you, you could look at Patrick Mahomes and Justin Fields and be like, okay, these are two quarterbacks playing an NFL football game. I've already forgotten their names. You, you know what? I mean, it could just be... You could, you, you might know the red team is the one that, that Taylor Swift is rooting for. And are we leaving Donna out of this equation? I don't well? know. Well, that's a great point. It's a fantastic point. Is Dylan's best friend Donna Kelsey? Can we can we unpack that real quick? That's the end for the uh, the Mahomes audio. We'll take a break and come back and talk to Matt Derrick. I told him he'd be like 820, but I want to... I can we hear... Can we hear a, a version of your story, Dylan, or is I mean, that yeah, okay? I, I met her at the Kelsey Car thing, and she was very nice. Very, you know, would have been so funny if she was rude to you. Oh yeah, there was no shot, <laughs> absolutely no so chance funny. that Donna Kelsey has a rude part about her. I, I, there's no the, way. Unsurprising, but do you, you have a specific fun topic of conversation? Did you ask her about anything? I mean, I don't know what was the. How did, how did you guys hit it off? Do you have her number? Do you guys text no, now? Just okay. ask, can I please have a picture? Uh, and then I will just, I want, you know, I'm not a poster. So yeah, sure. That'll just be for me. Wow. Oh, just oh really? Donna. You're me just sitting on that. Okay, and our what? group chat, obviously. Yeah, I didn't mean to air it out here. I just thought it, the picture's awesome because you just look very happy yeah. and she's Donna Kelsey. It was the easier, it was probably the easiest Kelsey, which is crazy <laughs> because she is. She's famous. I mean, had a great Super Bowl week, and I and also had a cameo on SNL. I think, right? I can't remember Campbell's what the chunky. Oh yeah, yeah. She's in ads now. I if you don't think that's fun, man, I I really love like the football parts of football. I really honestly do. I I've loved watching the Prime Vision All Twenty Two and the Nitty Gritty, all that. I love it. But if the spectacle of all of this doesn't do anything for you, try something else because this this is a blast. We'll take a break. Also a blast to talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. We'll take a quick time out here. Joshua Briscoe and Dylan Michaels. Uh, Covell Hudson on the production as well. It's the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. We'll talk to Matt Derrick next. Let's come in. Just get it out to Herbert. It looks for a block. Out to the original. He lost the ball. Still loose. Kansas City's got it. Willie Gay. Fred McDuffie forced it. Gay recovered it. And the Chiefs are going crazy. 
Well, it looks like Taylor Swift picked a good day to come here to Arrowhead. Trent McDuffie does a great job pulling on that front tip of the ball. That's where you want to attack it. They teach these defenders attack the front tip and the back tip. He pulls it out and you said Willie Gay, you mentioned he comes up with it, but man, they got Taylor Swift here. Their offense has found their rhythm. Kelsey's catching balls. I mean, who's living better right now than the Chiefs? Nobody I can think of. That play from Chip McDuffie, excellently broken down there by Greg Olson, was a fantastic fantastic play really just grabbed the hand of the ball carrier pulled with it the ball pops out and Trent McDuffie is who is getting the green light from me today that's brought to you by green light dispensary McDuffie not only in the strip there but also absolutely plastered to Bears to Bears pass catchers all day he's been tremendous in this sophomore season he was tremendous when he was on the field in his rookie season as well but he's been absolutely fantastic so give him the green light today brought to you by green light dispensary outstanding customer service superior product and continuously voted missouri's best open from 10 a.m to 8 p.m seven days a week find a location near you today at greenlightdispensary.com video now circulating around twitter of travis kelsey and taylor swift walking out together can confirm, have seen this video with my own eyes, and uh, it seems like that will continue to be a fun topic of conversation, making it both from the broadcast to Twitter to everywhere all around. I'm wondering if Matt Derrick uh, at any point had visual evidence of seeing Taylor Swift at Arrowhead. Matt Derrick is brought to you by Cap One Lending. The Freedom Loan at Cap One Lending is the exclusive loan that helps you pay your home off in less than half the time and gives you access to your home's equity without having to refinance. Go to CapOneLending.com for more. That's CapOneLending.com. Matt, are you officially a Swifty now? Have you seen uh, Taylor Swift with your own eyes at any point today? Um, not in person, just on the, the video boards and everything. And I thought if there was any one place in, in Arrowhead that I would find Taylor Swift after the game, it would be in the penthouse suite presented by Tickets for Less. <laughs> but I'm up here in the penthouse suite, and I do not see Taylor. So I'm, I'm very disappointed. I, I think she would have really enjoyed some of those those couches that you've done so many post game call-ins oh, yeah. from. No, I mean there's there's absolutely no doubt. I mean Taylor and Travis would I, I think find these couches very comfortable. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're there to enjoy them, even if they if they can't be there to share in that beautiful moment. Um, where do you want to begin on 41 to 10? Where, where do you start? You know, I was, I was going through the, the 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 box score and everything, and all the stats, and I, I found I found the one that I I think that you and I can really just bond over the most. Uh-huh. The one that's just the absolute most telling about this game. Yes, the the Chiefs in the fourth quarter controlled the ball for ten minutes and forty five seconds. The that's Bears nuts. had the ball for four minutes and fifteen seconds, and they outscored the Chiefs ten to nothing. And <laughs> I think that was the story of the game, wasn't it? I think so. I think at the very bare minimum, I am thrilled that you brought that to my attention because uh, it's certainly my big takeaway. I love time of possession talk. And, I, yeah, frankly, I'm not sure. It's just, it felt like the Chiefs were barely hanging on, Matt, and, I mean, that, that, clearly, that clearly shows there. Yeah, I mean, if this, if this game had gone on for – this is one of those games that – if it had just gone on for, you know, like, seven more days <laughs> – I mean, Chicago never would have caught up. I mean, they they could have played this game the rest of the season, and the Bears never would have would have would have figured out the Chiefs. I mean, this was a, this was a dismantling. I mean, in every phase shape of the game. So, um, yeah, the Chiefs did what they're supposed to do. So, pat them on the back. Yep. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's yeah, it's like hey, let's break out the parade and everything. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, you've got to back it up. But this was the offense breaking out of its shell a little bit. It was the defense continuing what it's done for the first two weeks. Not a lot to complain about today. No, and uh, let's let's split it in into each side of the ball because there's some interesting stuff on the more micro level. But if if I say, hey, what what's more important to you and impactful to you? As you mentioned, that it's the Bears. But how many times over the years have we said, oh, the Chiefs couldn't put a bad team away, or the Chiefs let a bad team hang around? They played down to the level of their opponent, or bleep the AFC South. You know, some of those things we've said a hundred times over the last few years. What what's more meaningful to you? The dominant offensive, let's just call it first half, and then the little bit of the third quarter that the, the one stayed in, or the defense completely smothering the Bears with the exception of absolute garbage time scores? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, to me, the offense putting on a show today for the first time this season, it's nice, but you expected it all along. I mean, that's to me what you think of this offense and Patrick Mahomes. You figured they were going to figure out eventually. You know, Andy Reid said something that made me go to, the once again, the stats to find out for sure. And because, you know, he noted last week they had you know, 400 yards of offense and just shot themselves in the foot. No, okay, they had 399, close enough. Mm-hmm. But looked it up, in the Patrick Mahomes era, that, that last week, that seven, those 17 points were the fewest points the Chiefs have scored when getting over at least 399 yards of offense. Hmm. So there's some legitimacy to him when he said that, you know, last week 17 points really wasn't indicative of how well the offense was playing. They were just making mistakes. Well, today, you know, for the most part, they didn't make a lot of mistakes and they scored a lot of points. But to me, it's I think the bigger story is the defense continuing to put this together, this effort. Um, you know, essentially, the, the I mean, the, the first team defense hasn't given up a touchdown yeah. since week one, yeah. um, even in the defense as a whole, even basically went two full NFL games without giving up a touchdown. Yeah. And wow. no matter the opponent, that's impressive. So the fact that we're continuing to get data points that suggest that this is a really good defense is very telling to me. And look, the the offensive line for the for the Bears horribly banged up. We know that. Um, but you know, Dylan made this point when we were watching the game as I was you know, doing my best to find new and fun ways to disrespect the Bears. It was talking about the pass catchers. Points out, like, that, that's a spot where they've invested some, that they do have good players. Claypool's been a mess this year for all sorts of confusing reasons, but he had the first catch of the game for Chicago. And th- there, there are guys who are generally difficult to cover. And the Chiefs DBs today, I, I saw some tweets. I, I know I saw Nate tweet about it. I think you tweeted about it at some point. It's hard to see on the broadcast, but it, it seemed like Fields had nowhere to go with the football. And then when he tried to run, there wasn't a lot for him there either. I mean, those those are the two things you could reasonably fear. But anyway, am I am, am I seeing it right, hearing it right, that the DBs from the skybox were, uh, were, were something to behold? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there weren't a lot of openings. I mean, it was hard to find. Uh, you have to put it on the secondary. I mean, they did a really nice job. And the linebackers, too, when dropping back into coverage, they did a nice job. Um, to a, I mean, it's hard to decide, you know, where you give more credit to. Do you give it to the, you know, the front four mm-hmm. for really doing a good job, for the most part, of containing, you know, J- Justin Fields? I mean, they did a good job of making sure that he stayed in the pocket because that's where the Chiefs felt like that he was the least dangerous. And if they could force Justin Fields to simply stay in the pocket, force him to find some open receivers, and he wasn't going to find anybody. And and that's what happened. I mean, other than a couple of times when maybe they broke contain a little bit and and let him escape. I mean, he did have a 17-yard scramble, um, had a few other gains as well. But, you know, for the most part, there, there just wasn't any lanes there for him to do what he usually likes to do. 
And the, uh, you know, from a you know downfield standpoint, no, there, there there were no options. I mean, even when the plays were extended, there weren't any options. So, no, I mean, it, it was a complete smothering by this Chiefs defense of, of the Bears' offense today. And next week against the Jets, I have absolutely no concerns whatsoever that they will continue to do that. Um, maybe even better pass catchers, but an even worse quarterback, I think. I think that's true. I don't know. I'm not sure if I need to give that more thought or not. But it, certainly an offense that might be similar. That will not be true on the other side of the ball because uh, the Jets' defense has a whole lot more to fight for than the Bears do, um, even as the other side of the ball lets them down. When you say that, hey, you know, it's nice to see the offense get back on track, I'm happy to see them put up a 40-burger, even if it could have been a whole lot more than that, and even adjusting for the opponent. Was there anything that stood out to you before we get to the Juwan Taylor part of the conversation that that where the Chiefs offense was just in sort of Chiefs offense mode, or was that just a matter of, like you said, stop shooting yourself in the foot, you end up back in that sort of, hey, maybe we've been better than we've shown kind of territory, and I don't know if if there's anything else that, that, that we hadn't seen yet this year. I think I got a few contenders for that. Yeah, you know, I mean, the one thing that we saw today that we really hadn't seen this year was this team playing the majority of the game without mistakes. Uh, yeah. You know, certainly, hey, you know, they stopped scoring when they were turning over the football, turned it on a couple of drives there in the second half. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of put an end to the scoring threat. Probably a good thing because otherwise they would have put up like 55 points on the Bears, and that's just not very sporting. <laughs> um, but. Um, the one, the other thing about the offense, the offense that really stood out to me was just the play of the offensive line because they were able to do it both ways. I mean, they were they were plowing open some holes in the end of ground game. They were getting, you know, uh, there were some real open lanes for those running backs to go through. And the average wasn't glossy, glossy. I mean, uh, Isaiah was a little over four. Clyde was a little under three. I mean, that's not fantastic. But, you know, maybe there's a little bit in the second half where, you know, the Bears just knew they were going to run, and so there was a lot of surprise there. But the offensive line really dominated this game. I mean, yes, the Bears' defense is struggling, and, they, you know, they're a coordinator left this week. Mm-hmm. So you should dominate them, but they really controlled it in the run game. Uh, Mahomes had all day in the world to throw for the most part. Um, wasn't really touched. I mean, even when he got touched in a scary way, it was because, kind of got blocked into him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, to me, I think this is going to be a really good offensive line. And I think today you you saw it, that when they're not committing penalties, it is a very good offensive line. We can talk about what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes had to say about Juwan Taylor, because I thought it was interesting. But first, I want to know what you think about Juwan Taylor and what you saw today. I mean, I, I, for the most part, saw a guy that was doing it by what the NFL says is the, the law. I mean, maybe not the letter of the law, because nobody plays by the letter of the law anymore. Right. Um, but I saw a guy that, for the most part, was doing that. I mean, did I, I feel like he was still tipping his hand a little bit? You know, that, that, that right foot's a little bit further back on pass plays than it is on run plays? Yeah. But I didn't think that on the, on the ones that got called that they were egregious. I mean, probably worthy of a penalty. But uh, I also see a lot of guys who don't get called for the exact same thing. And you don't have to look any further than, you know, Andy Reid's point was that he felt like Donovan Smith was probably lined up the exact same way on his own yeah. line yep. and wasn't getting called for it. So I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, right now, Jawan Taylor is just a marked man. Um, every officiating crew is going to flag him for that if they think that he's over the line. And he just needs a couple of clean games to get them off his back, so to speak. And, you know, if they, that means he just has to play straight up for a couple of games and then go back to how he's more comfortable playing, 
I, I mean, I think that's essentially what Andy Reid was kind of saying after the game, except that he thinks he's already doing that and that the officials should just back off. Yeah, and I, I just I tend to agree with that and with everything that you laid out there. The other thing that I said earlier is it, it is just it is absolutely impossible for me to buy at all the idea, the idea that Juwan Taylor lined up illegally exactly two times today. Because of course not. Of course you have the the, the refs have to pick the spots where they're going to throw the, the throw the flag. And if you think he's lining up offsides or, or in illegal formations every single time. I honestly would rather them just throw the flag five plays in a row and just to make the point until he adjusts properly because the fact that one got thrown on what ended up bringing back a, a long MVS touchdown feels completely random. He, he wasn't any further back there than he was in the first snap of the game, and like you said and like Reed said, he wasn't lined, back, uh, lined up any further back than Donovan Smith was. So I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm saying the exact same thing that you said and the things I said when Reed and Mahomes talked about it and I'm just I'm frustrated because it seems so terribly inconsistent and, and like, like they are making it up as they go. And, and that's the worst place I think a refereeing crew can be. Yeah, and it did. I mean, it did feel a lot like that today, that it was probably just a little bit random. And, you know, were they and they can't really necessarily say that they were picking, you know, big plays for it to happen because the flags came out before that and everything. But it, it it did seem like there was just some inconsistencies with it, and, and certainly inconsistencies in that it's not necessarily being called both ways. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and that's Andy Reid's big point is just that you know that hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna officiate the way that they did on today or today, then yes, it's kind of like holding. You could call holding on every single play. You know where the NFL has pretty much gotten with tackles in this league is that they're only going to call it when it's egregious. Was mm-hmm. was Jawan Taylor egregious today? No, I mean I, for the most part he was pretty much in line with what everybody else around the league does. So I, I don't know what else what else the guy can do until he just right now. I mean he is the poster child for this, and, and you know was it? I, do I want to put on my tinfoil hat and say hey maybe the officials were going to call him real tight again today because. Next week, the Chiefs are in you know, NBC primetime, and yep. you know, the same officiating crew that was all over him in week one is going to be doing it again. I, and, I mean, I'm not going to be that crazy, but then again, I mean, crazier things have happened, yeah. so I don't know. But I think that at this point, you know, I, don't, I don't know what else you want the guy to do other than just absolutely line up like it's 1978, and, and that's great as long as you're going to make everybody else in the league do it too. Exactly. Yeah, sure. If you want to enforce it that way, make everybody do it. That's cool with me. Uh, last thing real quick, Matt, of the guys we haven't named, uh, the, the, the uh, I believe, unfortunately and unfairly named uh, skill position players, but of the running backs who what we had the rotation that we talked about and, and where they all ended up, the pass catchers, you, you got some good work from Rasheed Rice. Unfortunately, that Blaine Gabbert pick was completely on him, I think. Uh, but, but when you look at the grouping there, where Sky Moore is sort of the chain-moving possession receiver you like to see, Rasheed Rice looks like he's got some special traits looks comfortable to me, especially kind of just climb into some of that patch of grass and space that they need to find. I, I saw some good stuff. Justin Watson looks like a real receiver. Where where do you look in terms of the uh, the running back receiver, the flex spots, if you will, who are, who are not named Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of came out the way that, that I kind of at least expected the distribution to go, maybe, because without Richie James, hey, there were you know maybe a dozen snaps today that were going to go to somebody else. And I figured that if anybody does, we're probably going to end up going to Rasheed Rice. And that's pretty much how it went. Um, you also figured Kadarius Tony was probably going to you know take a little bit smaller workload than he's had. 
looked like that too. And, yep. and where did his the targets go and maybe his routes go? Maybe it looked like Rasheed Rice because um, Sky, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both those guys have their role. I mean, they are, they are what they are. Um, they're not, you're not going to give them any more work or any less work, you know, right now. So those guys, and then it's really, Hey, how healthy is Tony? If, if Tony's ready to go a lot, then you know, maybe he will. If not, then Justin Watson and Rasheed Rice are probably going to get a little bit of his work. And then guys like Justin Ross are going to kind of fill in. And I thought, you know, when, when Justin Ross gets the first target of the game, it felt like a little, okay, is this, is this forced? Is this just trying to figure out how to get him involved a little bit more? Apparently not, because then he kind of disappeared from the rotation after that. And it's hard for me to see really as popular as the guy is, you know, because of the skill set and athleticism and everything. It's hard to see, you know, a big role for him right now, because I, I don't know what his role in this offense is. I mean, I, I think that he's got one in probably some short yardage situations, goal line, red zone, as a big target kind of guy. But... You know, is he ready for something bigger than that? Well, based on what we've seen to this point, you'd have to say no because he hasn't gone out there and proven it yet. Yeah, it feels like if, if he plays a bit role this year and is ready for a larger one next year, I'd, I'd sign up for that now. But, uh, you know, patience is, is not one of my most common virtues, Matt, and that uh, can't possibly surprise you to learn. So uh, the idea that you learned it just now is honestly offensive to you and your ability to observe me as a person. <laughs> Well, you have a lot of virtues, Josh. So, I mean, if I'm going to list off all your virtues, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have to list a while, later a while before I got the patience. But, no, now that I know, I just won't list it at all. I, I think that's probably where it belongs. Matt, you're the best. Appreciate it. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com, brought to you by Cap One Lending. Looking forward to our Friday conversation in the zone. Looking forward to reading the work on Chiefs Digest and looking forward to your, uh, what I imagine will be your top five Taylor Swift song power rankings that might hit the site soon. Oh, gosh, I'd have to, I'd have to learn at least Three or four more Taylor Swift songs <laughs> to do that. I'll uh, I'll help you work on it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. That's our lover, Matt Derrick, here on uh, Sports Radio 810 WHP. That's Taylor Swift. Not just a song, but an album, folks. Matt Derrick, fearless. It's another one. I don't have another. You know what? You know what Matt Derrick has? A great reputation. Tales of his greatness at this point are basically folklore. Oh, God, sorry, Dylan. I just looked at the time. I do not want to be here until midnight. Let's do a little detective work here. Travis Kelsey, raucous introduction here, as always. And then there's the biggest pop star in the world, Taylor Swift, with Travis's mom, Donna. Hmm. I mean, I think the who, secret's out. Who's she here to see? I mean, I think, I think the secret's out. I think we can uh, play matchmaker and uh, put, put the rumors... To rest, I think they are officially a couple, and I think the internet right now is going insane. <laughs> Good pickup on the blitz. Mahomes gives him time right to Kelsey. Into Bears territory, down across the 35. Well, you come into the game and you think you have a plan. I think the plan should start with covering arguably the best tight end in NFL history. Travis Kelsey, you see, just kind of nice job by Pacheco, giving a little extra time but they just flat out leave Travis Kelsey uncovered on the little wheel route right on time a truly incredible sequence there on the broadcast of taking a look at the press not the press box but the suite with uh, Taylor Swift and Donna Kelsey sitting side by side and then Patrick Mahomes goes straight to Travis Kelsey 
and uh, the Chiefs offense keeps on rolling. It's the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. I am Joshua Briscoe. Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass. And shout out to Covell Hudson on the production side as well. Three of us are here with you as we uh, chug along to... We'll, we'll get you to, I think we'll, we'll go till our, our, our fully allotted 9 o'clock here. Uh, it's about 10 more minutes. We'll bring you some more audio from the locker room, and then we'll hand you over to Sunday Night Football. Just entering halftime, Steelers and Raiders. 13-7, uh, to 7, Pittsburgh up on Vegas right now. But the Raiders will get the football to start the second half. So should be a good game, even though it's a couple teams that have some quarterbacking questions and some, you know, issues. Not quite the high-flying fun of the Chiefs' offense today, but should be a great football game between a couple of, uh, of of great franchises throughout NFL history. Just not as exciting right now as they have been in the past. Anyway, I digress. We'll bring you the second half of that game right here on your home for the NFL Sports Radio 810 WHB. But not until after we hear a few more clips of audio from Arrowhead. Going back now to the locker room to hear from Isaiah Pacheco. Ends the day with 15 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. I'm not sure what his what his numbers were before it became kind of backup mode and everything, but I think he was averaging around that four-ish yards per carry number all day, and he's just so much fun to watch. He's also fun to listen to. Here's Isaiah Pacheco. How important was it that you guys got the run game established early in this one? Um, it's very important um, that we come together as a unit and uh, just, just build this thing up and uh, keep rolling. Is there something about, I mean, you have a physical running style. It's fast, but physical. Establishing that physical presence early in the game, it seems like it changed things. Absolutely. It does change the game uh, to show the backers that, you know, we're ready to roll and uh, you're going to put pressure on them. Um, not only that, we have the best quarterback, but, uh, you know what I'm saying, we got a good run game, man. We are able to uh, to uh, put pr- take pressure off of Pat when uh, he needs to. What was it about the, the running back group today? You guys combined for four touchdowns. Was it something specific with matchup, or what allowed you guys to have those? Um, I'll say uh, next man uh, up mentality. Um, when whoever's in, uh, same mentality. Uh, we're going to go down there and go score, and that's the mentality we bring to the unit. And as far as for one another, uh, whoever in, go get it. Isaiah, you're, you're known for some of your dance moves, but can you critique Jared's drum major celebration? <laughs> hey, that's fire. You know, I, I can't I can't critique it because I ain't never do it. I try to follow up. And, you know what I'm saying? We practice at a practice. So, like I said, uh, when we practice things at practices, it more so happens in the game. I heard he was really fired up for that one. Why? Practice it in practice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Everybody's wanted to know, t- did you know that Taylor Swift was in the stadium today? Hey, for sure. I ain't know, but I seen, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just doing my job, and you know what I'm saying? I can't focus on the, on distractions. I got to focus on what, what was out there, and that was the ball. Did you um, I'm not sure. I, did. I wasn't really worried about it, but more so I was focused, locked in. How confident is the offense as a whole right now? Um, that's that's what it takes to be confident. Um, more so, just building uh, off of one another energy, and that's what we have to keep doing to uh, keep this thing rolling. After a couple of close games, how does feel just go out and beat the hell out of this Um, it feels great to uh, to put points on from the offensive side, and not only that, uh, defensive side, just getting us the ball back, and we're just being able to roll in and keep uh, things uh, up to tempo. It's gonna be a hard team to beat if you guys are playing the way that you play today. Yes, uh, that just comes with hard work at practice. So when you know have ups and downs in the game, then we're not pointing a finger and just looking forward to the next big play. How much the defense playing so well? Is it, how much pressure does that take on you? Uh, it takes a lot of pressure off of us uh, for Pat, especially. Um, you know, get the guys on the field with fresh legs, and we're ready to roll. And we're just we love scoring, so that's what we got to do more. Did you guys need a game like this though? I mean, you absolutely. Blowing up and hadn't been able to do it. Yet. Yeah, absolutely. We need a game like this, and um, just comes with practice. And 
coaches was uh, confident enough in, in the scheme he drew up, and, and, and us as players, we got to go execute. When, when, when Jarek and Clyde had both found the end zone, are you talking? Are you telling the coaches, hey, I need, I need one too, or what, what's, what's the Hey, no, nah, uh, Jet and, and Clyde come back saying, oh, I need one too. Okay. So that's the brotherhood we have in the room, and, and you know what I'm saying? We pulled it off. All, all three of us got in the end zone, and that's what it's all about. All about. What, what, what is it about the chemistry in that running back room? Because you all seem to have different personalities, and I don't want to say odd, but let's go with unique personalities, but it seems to work, right? Yeah, and that's what it takes, man, to have the personality. Coach Reed says shows it, show it, and for us as uh, running backs, uh, we only get one guy in the game at a time, so when, when that player is in, uh, we're cheering him on. How do you have so much fun in life? I mean, I, I can, I, I'd like to be you for one day. <laughs> it's the energy, man. I, I, I love... Uh, being myself, and Coach Reed always says, uh, show your personality. For me, uh, it don't get no better than, than doing that um, and being comfortable around the guys uh, that you love doing it with. Last couple of weeks, you guys had success up the middle. You getting the ball, short yardage. How's that feel to out-physical someone and pick up that first down or touchdown? Uh, it feels phenomenal, and for me, just being in a position, uh, understanding the situation and understanding to get the first down, uh, don't, don't matter what the yards are, just try to get the first down. Yeah, my, my father's somebody asked me, what was the celebration you talking about? Uh, Drewski, yeah. I just pulled up on the side of you, get money. Yeah, he going to throw that over there. Hey, I want to show you this. Donovan gets really fired up after this run you had here. What, what do you think that was about for him and for you guys? Hey, uh, that's that's right there. That That's right there. That shows finish. And uh, Coach always talks about finishing and finding the edge. And right there, that shows uh, one of my teammates finishing and showing passion for the game. How much did you need a running game like this? You guys really hadn't run the ball. Um, just comes with the game. And for me, it uh, allows Pat and, and the rest of the guys to get rolling. But most importantly, it uh, keeps uh, the defense on their toes. And do you think something worked for you guys this week, like the man blocking? I'll say just like practice, bro. Uh, yeah. We just went hard at practice and, and – came out today and, and it, it felt like practice I'll say. What was hard about practice? Or what, how did you guys go hard? I guess what you said. Um, it's competing. The competition level uh, is always there once you go against the uh, scout team and you know credit to those guys that work hard pushing us at practice against prepared. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was Isaiah Pacheco and uh, it was like just, just like it wasn't practice. Tell you what, man, that's that's how you draw it up. That's good news for everybody. And that will be all the audio we bring you here tonight in the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. You want to hear more? It'll be coming to you in the Border Patrol tomorrow morning. A bunch from Stephen St. John. Plus, we'll have more in the zone. We'll chop up some more audio bits and bites and figure out what it is that we're going to take away from this game altogether. Here's where I'll leave it. Juwan Taylor is currently under the NFL's microscope. At some point, I'd love to believe that sanity will reign the NFL doesn't make me believe that too strongly, but I'm, I remain at least hopeful. On the other side, incredible to see the offense have the get-right game that it needed against the exact opponent you'd want to have for a get-right game, a team completely disheveled. You'll take what you can get when you put up a 40-burger in just a little more than one half. Meanwhile, the defense looks absolutely legit. But I'll echo something I said earlier in the show that, that I think is important. Appreciate what the bleep is happening right now because the entire internet is revolving around Arrowhead Stadium, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift. Kansas City's having a moment. I'm glad to be here for it. I hope you are too. That's going to do it for the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. We'll talk to you again next week, primetime, baby. Until then, bye, Mom.